The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world? Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Here's Sunjo Gall. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is government mobility, risk, rewards, and the roadmap. And our guests for today's show are Claire Bailey, who is the CTO, which is Chief Technology Officer with the Arkansas. Good morning, Claire. How are you? Doing great, Sanjog. And uh, the morning treating you good? Had your cup of coffee ready to go? I'm uh, surrounded by technology with a cup of coffee and a beautiful Arkansas day in May, which is going to be about 90 degrees and humid. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we also will be having shortly Gwen Costing, who's the Director of Mobile, Office of Citizen Services Innovative Technologies with the U.S. General Services Administration, known as GSA. So she'll be joining us shortly, and uh, till then, Claire, let's get started uh, with respect to what's going on in the government overall, and in what areas do you think mobile has a potential to make a difference? Well, it's interesting, as we've watched our world change in the delivery of public service. We're seeing more and more of it be driven by that consumer demand and the service demand. And an example, if you want to go to our state website at this time, it's arkansas.gov. And if you pull up that website, you'll actually see, if you page down, eGov this week. And you can see, for example, just this week we've had 13,923 people file their franchise taxes online. We've had 389 corporate filings, and then we have a uh, property and real estate estate tax payments, and you'll see all of these different e-government services that have the mobile approach to it or use the portal in in a centralized manner. You can see the statistics of who's going to the web and what services are being used. There's also that consumer side of it. We look across the realm of state government with all state agency boards and commissions. And there's two applications I'd like to focus on, Sanjo, and just kind of kick us off to give you an idea of what we do. We uh, are a natural state, and one of our things that people like to do when they come and visit and also our Kansans who live here is we hunt and fish and really have some beautiful natural settings. So the team who does our portal design, and we'll talk a little bit about how that is structured later, we uh, got together, I sit on their board, and they worked with a specific state agency, Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, and developed the first mobile app for Arkansas. And with that, you could use your iPhone, and then you could take a picture, do your automatic game check after you had successfully found and hunted whichever creature you were 
the season allowed, and then you could file that online and do the automated game check. And what we saw from that, just to kind of give you a couple of statistics, is there was a huge growth area, and that was our entry point into the mobile environment. The second driver, if you look at our website, again, it has a we have both the traditional Arkansas.gov and also the mobile platform. We know that in today's environment with the economy, people are looking for jobs or they're looking for services. So we introduced at the portal level the, the ability to determine your location from your device and then to show you surrounding offices, surrounding job openings, and you could even input the range of how many miles you wanted to travel. So we look, take a look at where that uh, Arkansans have a need, and then we work together to determine will mobility bring any success to this area and make it easier for Arkansans to access public service or to utilize technology to make it just easier in their day-to-day life, or do we need to really take a look at focusing our efforts on other areas. Our second really uh, recognized application is we took a trend, education is huge for us, in improving education, increasing the number of students who have access to higher education, technology degrees, technical institutes, two-year institutions. And we noticed that there was silos of how you could really find out what grants or scholarships were available to you. So the team, again, worked with Department of Higher Education and because our student population are part of that group who have probably, they live on their cell phones. I know my child does. And when you look at the usage of that and also the students, we developed a mobile application as well as the uh, traditional application for universal. And that's also accessible on our website. And we saw a tremendous growth area in those two segments. And from there, we'll probably talk a little bit more about our architecture and our strategy later in this conversation. Now, Sandra, does that give you an idea? <laughs> oh, that's a, that is a pretty good, uh, exhaustive summary of number of things that your organization has done or your government has done to help the citizens live a better life. I, I assume that's the intent. Now, one is to see something that's cool, like mobility, and adopt it. But then we're... What was the business case? Was it just because you wanted to uh, help the citizens and this is a quantifiable accomplishment that you can uh, demonstrate because mobility was adopted? Or is it something because citizens are going mobile, they they are always there, so you kind of have a good PR that results from you connecting with them while they're on the move? What is the basic underlying business case? To really gain um, introspection on Arkansas, we are working hard to increase the availability of broadband throughout the state, both Recovery and Reinvestment Act dollars as well as where we see that demand and access to the Internet, being able to research or do whatever you need to do from your home or from your school environment or from driving through our state. And so when we saw those technology trends, just as a lot of people have, and we started looking at 85% of the U.S. adults own a cell phone, 43% of those cell phones are smartphones, and then we also saw within our state you might not have broadband or fiber to the farm, but you might have a good wireless connection, and a mobile device would be your entry point into the state public service arena. So when we take all of those factors of looking at what is the right tool 
that those people have access to throughout our state, we ensure that we have to cover those bases for the traditional office services where people want to go into a, a driver's uh, a revenue office, which is where you pay for your car tags or get your driver's license renewed or those type of things. They want to go to that office and visit or wait, or would you rather have that capability to do renew your car tags and pay your property taxes online? And it's interesting when we watch those statistics, when we saw the true growth occur, it's when we added the mobile application access to the services that could allow that. We still have for identity management, you go into your revenue office to get your identity, and we don't have any of those renewal processes. However, if you want to renew your car tags and have that electronically mailed to you, we implemented a solution that would connect with our assessor's process, our tax collector's process, which are both county-leveled organizations, and then take that to the state level and then allow you to we just, we um, have that point of entry where you can renew your car tags, pay your property taxes, and assess for some counties online, and then you never have to leave either your office environment or your home environment. Again, the true driver for mobility is when you start to look wherever you are in the world at what points of access do the does a citizenry really use, and then we moved forward. Now, i got to admit, when we did our first Gun and Fish iPhone application, it was because the iPhone was new. We wanted to get into the app development, and we were amazed at how quickly it took off. So in our state, and remember I told you we were about 3 million people, we've had over 64,000 Game and Fish applications downloaded from the iPhone. And then we... Using that, 21% of our total game checks, there's a couple, we had just over 200,000 game checks. So 42,000 or 21% of those game checks came through a mobile device. 20% is a huge um, area of demand in our world. So does that give you a picture of where we, uh, what we used in that discussion element of analyzing what access points people have and use? And then trending that to the service delivery mechanism. That, and that has really that brought in? So, do you think this change, or or basically be where the citizens are approach, has this resulted in something that you can show or demonstrate as an operational efficiency, or is it more uh, a better user experience? What has it given the citizens and your organization or your government as a whole? In my opinion, it's given both. And when you see things that, for example, if you think just about the universal application, which is our college scholarship that goes across all the two-year institutions of higher education and four-year institutions, and you input your information about your student and your financial data, just like you were doing to set up, we interface with the, with the U.S. government from the uh, student financial aid, the FAFSA, I should know that. I should remember that acronym. My son's been out of college a few years. But we integrate with the grant and application process at the federal government as well as all the colleges across the state. And from there, an Arkansan has one point of entry, and then the application does the searching and does the integration points. So that as 
to ease that entry point into higher education and to find out what type of scholarships or grants are available for you, you don't have to go hunt and choose across the environment. It's one point of entry. And then truly, as we all know it should, technology does the hard work for you of going out and do the searches and then comes back and represents, presents to you all of the things to which you could apply. So that's an area where we saw not only efficiency, and again, I like to think in numbers, and in 2010, with the graduating class, we had 144,000 of those applications used. We're still in the process uh, in 2011 for us to begin to see those applications continue to be used. That's around 64,000. So we saw a huge, huge influx the first year. A little bit of growth or, or less growth in the second year, but it, but it really does the work for the students. That's one of the ones that parents will thank Arkansas for because <laughs> it eased that process. Now, when you go and uh, how did you get started? So this is an interesting area where, of course, you seem to have accomplished a lot along with your team. How was this all started? Because typically government is is very uh, conservative when it comes to new and, and uh, disruptive technology, especially when they also hint at uh, potential risk getting introduced with respect to privacy and security. How was this sold, if you will, or how did the government buy to fund these initiatives? Well, what, how we are structured in Arkansas uh, from the portal perspective, many years ago we created through law a group called the Information Network of Arkansas. And I, for example, or sit on that board. And there's a group of both, both public representation from other levels of state government as well as private members who are appointed to that board representing their business function. And from that board, we released a request for proposal, and it was awarded to a specific company. And then we recently went through that request for proposal process again, and they were reawarded the contract. So Arkansas.gov strives really hard to be that single point of entry. And therefore, you don't see individual government agencies. There, there may be some people that will go out and try the mobile technology on their own, but because we really work on customer success models through our partnership with the portal company that, that brokers and manages and does all the uh, heavy lifting from the mobile and programming application perspective, they're that presentation layer. We have a consolidated approach or centralized approach where they we implement the security at one location that already is going through audits for the use of uh, payment by the payment industry for credit cards. We try to use one uh, process for taking over-the-counter transactions and make sure that we're getting the most uh, leverage from their, not only their knowledge base, but also the security parameters, the governance structure, and all those different things. It's also based on uh, customer satisfaction from the state agency point that that group is doing really good work. And I hear when they're doing really good work, but I also hear if they have an error or if they're not providing enough uh, service level. So through that centralized area of the portal, Arkansas.gov, we were able to capitalize on a lot of those technologies and, and have one approach to it, and then we've learned through the introduction of mobility. With, uh, if you think about mobility strategy, 
we started with, hey, we think this would be a great application, and we kind of dipped our toe into the water of mobility with the Game & Fish uh, automatic game check. And then from there, we learned, and we're in the process of really defining what our strategy is. And so from from that perspective, we tried to capitalize on the knowledge base that existed with our portal leaders. And the company that we use actually provides portal services all across the nation, and we work together with other states to generate ideas. Is this working for you? Could we do it better in Arkansas? So from an upfront money perspective, the existing structure that we had for our portal environment, there wasn't a heavy investment. The security was already in place. And we've, we worked really hard to be efficient in how we do that versus every state government agency in Arkansas going out and doing their own mobile platform or their own, uh, their own payment card transactions. So that's our approach that I believe has really been a success model for us, not only from the cost perspective, but also from the security perspective and risk mitigation because they have that resources of all the other people that we do the same work across the nation. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at, you know, the, the concept of hindsight being twenty twenty. So when you started versus where you are, when you now look back, what if you had uh, to tread the same path? What would you have done differently? What would you have done better? And the people, or, or rather organizations, government in state and federal government essentially, both are looking at adopting mobility. What is the typical roadmap that one could adopt in order for them to get relatively better chances of success and better ROI for all the investment that will be made? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sunjo Gall. Welcome back. So hindsight is twenty twenty. So 
uh, Claire, when your group started this, I'm sure a number of years ago, what were the the challenges that you found? And there are a lot of governments here, uh, state and federal level, who are attempting to do this, and I'm sure they're making their own sets of mistakes. What can you share about your journey, uh, which has led you to come to this level of maturity with respect to mobility? Well, we... Um when we started with our first putting our toe in the water with the Arkansas Game and Fish automated game check application, we were seizing upon the consumer-driven demand for the iPhone. And we saw that as an emerging trend. So very rapidly, the staff who works for Information Network of Arkansas got involved. They started learning. They really worked hard to bring that first iPhone application to market. Uh, to the Apple uh, marketplace. As we did, then we just think what we've all lived through. I began with an iPhone. I'm now a Droid uh, cell phone user. I may go back, but I'm an iPad consumer as well. So we all see how different uh, consumer products can drive technology in different ways, and it gets that ideas flowing. So we very rapidly learned that, it would be very difficult to maintain programming for the iPad and the iPhone, the programming for a Droid environment, the programming for a Windows platform, and all these different interfaces. So in retrospect, being an early adopter of mobility helped us really for, uh, forge forward in thinking, now what can we do to have one application environment that programs it for the regular portal, the tablet environment, as well as multiple operating systems, and multiple cell phone devices. That's something that by by jumping into the market early, we didn't start out with having that strategy. We learned that the hard way, as we say, that 2020 aspect. Now we're working hard to make sure that we did develop a common programming platform that's being used. And it's real interesting because we work in government, both at federal and state, particularly with some of the other agencies that are leaders in the delivery of their services, they may want to have their own environment and do their own programming, and they have the resources to do that. To me, the key is establishing the standards, the look and feel, and then giving people access based on the the skill sets they have within their agency to either do their own work but follow these standards or follow this page layout or this mobile technology environment or to uh, utilize the staff that we have at Information Network of Arkansas, which is always available to any state agency, border commission. So that, that big lesson learned for us was what is that right application code platform and how can we, because our resources, we don't want government to grow and go out and hire a whole new group of employees with this skill set. We want to train those employees who are really good technologists and teach them a common way to develop that code that then will publish it in the appropriate format based on the device. Is it a a mobile phone? Is it a tablet? Is it a traditional website? Or is it the mobile application? So that's, that's the big lessons learned on us. Luckily, we had a lot of standards in place already for our website. So if you go look at Department of Information Systems from Arkansas.gov, our Department of Finance Administration or Department of Health, 
those have those common look and feel elements to it so that in Arkansan or anywhere across the world, when they come to our state, they're not taken to an entirely different look for each state government agency. That isn't a mandate. That is a choice for state agencies. But as we've seen the customer service and the customer appreciation of our mobility and our web presence, Arkansas.gov this year was recognized as number one in the nation by the Centers for Digital Government. It was a long award process for us to strive to get there. We'd been in the top ten for several years, but we wanted to hit it out of the ballpark. And mobility helped us do that, as well as the look and feel of our of our home website. Great. And now we have Gwen as well. Hi, good afternoon. Good morning, Gwen. How are you doing? Gwen, can you hear us? Yes. Can you hear me? Uh, you are a little faint. Okay. Um, yes. Now we can hear you well. How oh, are you doing? Sorry, thank you. How's everything going at your end? Um, it's a uh, an overcast day in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Okay. Uh, with respect to uh, the mobility, we and like Claire and I were talking about how she's been able to transform the government of Arkansas leveraging mobility and would love to hear how's, how's the GSA doing and how are you uh, making strides towards leveraging mobility and take federal government or your particular agency to the next level? That's a great question, and I always love um, hearing Claire um, talk about the, the great work they've done in the state of Arkansas, so I'll just tell her congratulations again for all the great work that they do. Um, my office, um, I'm at the Office of Citizen Services and Innovative Technologies at the GSA, and the mission of our office is to help other agencies um, provide citizen service and um, use innovative technologies to do so. So the work that's done in my office includes working on cloud computing as well as uh, security issues across government. And my office um, specifically is working on mobile. And so our job is to help accelerate and to um, uh, promote the work that's being done um, by agencies for any time, anywhere, any device, government services. One of the things that we are seeing, we've been doing this for about 16, 17 months right now, but one of the things we're seeing really um, um, tracks on what Claire Claire just described, which is people who are early on were really looking at apps and creating a mobile app. But what we've seen over the past few months is really a shift, is that when we talk about mobile, we're really not talking about the device anymore. I mean, the device is clearly important, but that's not the main focus of mobile. The main focus of mobile is having that information, that data, and those services available to the public when they want it. And so that could be on a, on their cell phone, it could be on a tablet, it could be on their Xbox, you know, so part of it is understanding. And, and so then the problem doesn't become you know, how, you know, how do I deliver on uh, on a Android or an iPhone or a Windows phone or a BlackBerry? The problem then becomes, how do I make this data and this information, these services available to um, to the public? And I think that that's the, the, the shift that we're seeing in, in the trending on that. And as part of that, we see agencies, you know, um, looking very carefully about, you know, what their what their data challenges are and um, and ways to really unearth that information. One area that um, in federal space that's been working has been uh, data.gov, which is a, a portal to data sets from across government. We've been primarily taking a look at those in terms of external developers to use the data sets, 
but I think people and agencies are looking more and more themselves at how they could use those data sets to deliver um, services to the public. Now, uh, Gwen, when you have uh, started this program or had been working with the program where at GSA you're trying to take this mobility to the next level, and while I ask this uh, question, uh, uh, and Claire very well answered this, the, this, the, the federal agency or government agencies primarily are supposed to be looking at serving the citizens. And yes, most of the things that were done were driven towards providing our citizens a better access of secure to security, uh, secured services that are being delivered. But what about the internal operations? Do you think mobility has brought any value to how internally you your your departments function? That's, that's really the trend that people are seeing just in terms of, you know, the, the term term for it is the commercialization of, of IT. And the idea behind that is people have good personal devices and they don't want to have a less than good personal device when they get to the office. And so we're seeing a lot of, of discussion about how do we actually maximize the, um, uh, the investments that we make in these devices. But just to give you a real quick example, I mean, there are a number of, of uh, organizations that do field work. And if you're, you know, working at, at an airport, for example, uh, and you're um, doing some uh, inspection or something, if you have a, a recognized laptop, costs a lot more money than a tablet. And so I think that we're going to be seeing, uh, we actually are seeing some pilots that we run in agencies to identify kind of what's the equipment that, sh- that could be used um, some of the um, pilots that are being run, for example, say if you get a tablet, you have to give up your laptop. So they're really t- trying to take a look to see if they can measure to not, you know, and a laptop and a tablet, but it'd be instead of a laptop. So we're seeing some changes on that. There's a lot of discussion about how to allow um, uh, federal staff to use their own devices at work. And we're seeing a big diversity of that in terms of agencies. A lot of the security agencies, health agencies, really are not comfortable right now with bring your own device. Some other agencies, like my agency, General Services Administration, actually has uh, um, working on allowing people to at least access email um, and and uh, and other cloud services on their own devices. Um, but always, when people are looking at those BYOD um, um, policies, one of the things is there's is there's a trade-off because there still is a concern about uh, managing the device and making sure that the information on the device is protected. So in most cases, you'll see when an agency allows people to bring use their own personal devices, the agency um, reserves the right to wipe that device if it's misplaced or lost. Let's take a quick break, listeners, uh, and when we come back, uh, Claire, let's look at the adoption, and, and uh, Gwen, you did mention about adoption on some people adopting and some others are not. So what is it that is being done in order to make sure that we don't f- uh, fall for that trap that if I build it, they will come? Mobility also has that issue, and of course, you know, you've got different generation of workers that might be working within the company, and similarly, you've got citizens who may not be as close to their mobile devices, living their life on mobile devices based on which generation you are, it all, all, all is different. So how do you bring the adoption to be close to pervasive for it to make sense and or for it to give the maximum ROI it deserves? So uh, when we come back, let's explore that more. Please stay tuned. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. We live in an instant on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show. Here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So when we are looking at the adoption and not having to live with that um, uh, assumption that if you will build a good mobile platform, they will all come and they will all adopt. So how did you go about making adoption happen? Is it something which has been organic, Claire, in your world? Uh, or is it something that you planned for and then made that plan successful? We um, have a process of really looking and working with research firms and other other groups in reading and researching and watching for those growing technology trends. But I will say that it was a very organic approach for our first application with the Game and Fish. It was something that we wanted to try and see to actually put something out there that we thought would work well for people, and then it just took off and was really, really appreciated by those who utilize that application. Same thing for the universal application. It was when we uh, search across in this aspect, we do interface with the federal government to be able to trans have a single point of data entry and then let the programming send it to the appropriate people or retrieve the appropriate data and to make it more efficient. But we, we typically try to look at what trends are coming, how can we get prepared for that, and what do we need to do to ensure that we publicize it and people know it's available. So we're seeing a lot of different programs. We have a group called Connect Arkansas who travels to rural counties in our state who don't have a high broadband adoption rate. And we've got a huge education program and that works through them, including the business owners, to say what, would, what demand could we bring by bringing broadband to you and what what tools do you need to be able to uh, have a web presence or an Internet-based business? So as we see all of these programs converge, what we're doing to bring broadband both in wireline and wireless connectivity to our state, the consumer-driven 
uh, approach for the smartphones and that tablet environment, as well as where do we want the state to be and where do we see the job demand and how do we bring uh, services to the public that really make a difference. Many years ago, back in around 1999, I was a project manager at the time for the state streamlined automobile registration. And we brought forth, we were about the fourth state to bring forth a web page where you could renew your car tags online. And what we found with that at that time from 99, it was a very slow adoption rate. Now, in the mobility platform, we're seeing about a 20% growth rate per year of the usage of uh, mobile applications. So that's the difference as the citizenry starts demanding and seeing and utilizing services online. I think that's going to drive the platform. But we really, Gwen said it really well, we have to be prepared to be device agnostic to maximize our resources and, and focus on how can we have that presentation layer that works for the citizenry and is easy to use. So, uh, Gwen, now in your world when you started all this, and I'm sure, I'm not sure at what point did you get involved in making uh, mobile as the main primary uh, carrier, if you will, of all the messages and also to bring operational efficiency. What level of adoption challenge that you saw? What was done to handle those challenges and win over? Well, I think that it's still a process. I want to be clear about that. We're not, we're at the beginning of the game. Um, there's, you know, four quarters to play in it. And so I think that we need to kind of recognize where we are. Um, we're not, you know, the whistle has blown. We actually have a few plays in that includes the work that has been done creating mobile websites, mobile web apps, and, and native apps. But it goes back to, you know, people using SMS and text messaging too, especially for some health applications. And what we see all the time when there's success is that the um, agency or the department at the office is really focusing on providing a service that helps people. And so one of the things that agencies are doing is they're taking a look at their web traffic and what's on their websites and what people are looking for on their websites. And then they're backing away from that and saying, does this have a mobile angle? What of this information would be important to um, a, a the public or a constituent when they're away from home? Or, you know, is this something that they want to share? Because sharing is really big in mobile as well. So the, the idea is, you know, what are those criteria that actually make something mobile? Um, and then going from there, identifying what it's going to take to make it mobile. great example of that is um, the IRS, uh, the Internal Revenue Service. They actually had created a app called irs to go and the function of that app is to let people know what the status is of their tax refund. And in addition, people can get information about kind of deadlines and other things about tax, information about tax, but the primary goal was to help people under track the tax um, refund. And that's been a very popular app, and it's been able to, to work very hard on it. We see smaller apps, though, that are really interesting, too. Um, there is, uh, you know, there are some apps that are for the uh, Pacific Park, um, the National Park Service, for example, has an app called the uh, National Mall. And on the National Mall app, you could use your telephone, your, your cell phone, to point it at, point the camera at the Washington Monument, and then using augmented reality, they'll give you information about that monument. 
in addition, you could actually find out kind of where the mon- uh, next monument is in relation to that. So if you want to make sure you go to the Vietnam Vet Memorial, it'll actually it'll tell you how to get there. So again, they could be very generalized in terms of the IRS application or more specific in terms of what's happening in the Park Service. But the success factors are always really mission-related and, and, and figuring out how that becomes mobile. Now, when we are talking about the workforce, and, and this is a question for you, Claire, uh, any kind of changes that you make in the workforce internally, is that having a direct impact on how mobile would be uh, adopted internally? Because, yes, that the end result of how you are making the government mobile, it should have an internal uh, result or internal success as well. So are the people who you're bringing, that may be your uh, SWAT team, if you will, who try to bring uh, mobile government into reality, but the regular worker within government, are they willing to also adopt it to the degree that you'd like them to? What we find is, uh, similar to what Gwen said, particularly when you might have a, a better tablet or a better mobile phone that's your personal phone and you want to be able to seize that uh, capability, for example, how can we do restaurant inspections or uh, building inspections? There's a big push for mobility in that environment. But I have a dream job. I'm, I, I appreciate all the kind, kind words about me that you stated earlier, but really I'm just part of a team and we try to get that innovative thinking going and be the catalyst to think, okay, this is what I'd like to use at home. Does it have a business impact? And what I've found over the years working with technologists, some technologists fall in love with a specific programming language or database or environment and, and that is their niche and they love staying in that niche. Others want to try everything, and so we try to encourage that uh, at the agency level, at the Department of Information Systems, we try to encourage innovation by saying, what do you see that we could do, and can we give you the tools to develop that mobile app? And we do that for the internal services that we provide. For example, how to access, through a secured mechanism, our call center information if you have a computer or network that is down. How can we use mobility for all of our customers that are state government or public sector. Then in turn, that gets the, the skill set being developed inside by people who are really excited by that technology. And then we can have a, a lessons learned. And it also gives them the, the encouragement to, to approach these ideas to the customers. We are a service-oriented organization. So our customers come to us and they ask, can you do this effort, and we'd like for you to do it this way. And they do that through requirements or specifications. You'll see a change as the marketplace and the utilization of consumer devices, you're going to say, I want to be able to do this from a mobile phone or from a tablet or from a laptop. That, I think, is a combination of not only fostering that innovation as best you can in the public sector, and trust me, that can be that can be a challenge at times, as well as making sure that the customers that we serve from a technology perspective are, are thinking of those ideas and bringing them forward to request them. Now, with our portal development, that is one of the things I've talked about throughout this interview process is we use a group um, through Information Network of Arkansas, and their primary focus 
is how to make our web presence and that presentation layer and the mobility and ease the use of public services to our Kansans or our interfaces with the federal government or other state governments. How can we use that? So they've got a more concentrated skill set that sleep, drink, and eat mobile applications or innovations in web technology and all kinds of things. So it's a blend when you're in the public sector, not all IT people report to me. They're, they report to their individual agencies. And so we try to be that catalyst to give them ideas, encourage them to work together and to use and share the same tools and, and hopefully someday the same programs or basic programming language. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about some of those dreaded areas, compliance, privacy, and security. And Gwen, when we come back, would like to understand that what is being done, because mobility itself as a paradigm is not new, and we have been trying to adopt in public-private sector as well. And there have always been chronic, at least paranoia available, or sorry, existing, uh, with respect to privacy and security and other types of risks that it may bring. Do you think the technology has evolved to a point where we no longer need to really be that afraid of adopting it? Or is it the changing mindset? Where are we with that aspect of it? Because as we go along making mobility as part of our daily lives and as part of our daily functioning of government or uh, you know private organizations, we need to get over this. So where are we with that? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and get a status. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show. Here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So compliance, privacy, and security, the three dreaded uh, terms used when it comes to mobility and people are not not been giving a very solid answer with respect to how they, whether they have really nailed these areas and have been able to get over them. So, Gwen, what's the current state in your world today? Well, I think that we'll never 
quote-unquote, get over them. Um, there are many laws and there are regulations that government needs to follow, whether it's on a mobile device or whether it's protecting data um, in, in mainframes or, or, or whatever. The critical thing about these compliance issues, are, are, there's, there's two parts of it. The first part is the compliance issues are not new. What it is is a new form of delivery, a new type of device. And so the, the rules, the regulations, the laws, the best practices um, are, are, are the same in terms of uh, information assurance, um, guaranteeing people's privacy, um, complying with other rules. The harder part of it, the, the flip side of that, is the one thing that's very different about these mobile devices. We're seeing this increasingly um, 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 in, in mobile that the uh, update cycle is very fast. And so whereas before you would hold on to a laptop for, you know, four years, um, maybe five years, um, in some agencies I know they probably have over six or seven years, the turnover for uh, mobile, mobile devices, uh, especially phones, which are very powerful computers, happens every, you know, um, 18 months where people are turning over their devices. And there's always new features so that we really don't have a stable operating system that we really have to think very hard about how we're securing information and how we're securing data. One of the trends that we're seeing is more of a discussion about securing the information um, rather than um, securing the device because it's really so difficult to keep track of the devices. There's multiple operating systems. There's multiple flavors of those operating systems as well, and it creates a, a, a big challenge. The one area of compliance I did want to talk a little bit about, too, and which doesn't get uh, the all the attention really has to do with people with special needs because I think that people with disabilities, whether they are, are mobility disabilities, hearing or, or sight disabilities, um, in some cases what we're seeing is that the mobile devices are actually opening up information to them because, um, it's, you know, especially iOS um, products are really built to the core in terms of uh, assistive, uh, assistive devices. And... The one thing that I want to have all uh, everybody um, on the show, all the listeners, think about is that when you're building apps for um, for, for um, Android, I mean for the um, Apple devices, is to make sure that you use the code that's already there and hook into those processes. So you actually can um, make your um, applications more available to people with special needs. Now, with respect to standards or any type of um, you know benchmarks. Do you think you and or the rest of the world have today a standard and or a set of benchmarks which we can truly follow when it comes to adopting mobile? Claire, what do you think? Is there was something that you were able to successfully use and or develop over the time over the years? And um, when it comes to our standards, again, it, and it goes back to being an early adopter and jumping into the mobile environment without those standards in place, in some ways that helps you deliver faster, but in other ways you hurt because you haven't taken the uh, effort to ensure that everything will work and continue to work as we do this for all of state government where it's for the services needed. So to me the standards are an evolving process. We've got a team that's working on that putting into words our mobility strategy so that we can share that. So we took an approach of getting into the market first and then developing standards. I've also been on teams that have beat standards to death and not been able to 
get an app delivered because we're still discussing those standards. And that's where I do think that we can work with our federal partners and at the and the different states and work at that organizational level to work together to get those standards that work for all of us. Now, when it comes from compliance and security, again, we use that information network of Arkansas as a as a common point of entry into that mobility market because they're already being audited. As an agency, I'm already being audited by the IRS from a security and compliance perspective to security rules or the Social Security Administration. So we, we take that in embedded knowledge of those audit requirements and we know that we have to make sure that those are continued regardless of platform. I, I love what Gwen said. It's really getting to be about the data. We're device agnostic and then following the standards so we protect that social security number or that IRS information as required by the existing standards and rules and regulations and laws about that data. And that's, that would ring true for the state and the uh, federal level. The, the issue that we've got to all work really hard on is understanding what, how to secure the cell device or the mobile device. And as we stated earlier, if it's a state-owned device, wiping it's no issue. But when it's a personal device that accesses state information from the, the worker perspective, people would probably be very concerned about wiping their personal device. So we've got a, that's our area of growth is how do we use the tools that are now hitting the marketplace to be able to manage just that aspect of bring your own device platforms. So, uh, Gwen, in your world, is uh, the mobile standard or uh, the adoption-related challenges that somebody would have, have you kind of been able to set some ground rules which could then be, or, or maybe uh, a model which could be followed by rest of the agencies and uh, that will help them get to the end goal relatively easily because you have treaded the path before? That's uh, that's exactly what our office is, is working on doing. Um, as I said before, we're kind of we're still early on it, so that the standards are as, as clear as they're evolving, and we need to make sure that we don't put something in concrete that was that, that's still in motion. And so I think that's kind of one of the challenges. And I think she spoke about that very well. Um, one of the things that my office does, we actually do sponsor a uh, federal uh, mobile community of practice. And our, fo- our focus is really on public-facing mobile, so services and information to the citizens and to the public. Um, and in that, we actually are looking to jumpstart other people's processes by, you know, identifying those examples and vetting those um, that are available. We've created a wiki, which is called mobilegovwiki.howto.gov. And on that wiki, we're collecting experiences, um, information, we're working on creating a, a strategy, uh, guidelines, et cetera, to help people move their, their um, ball forward. And there are some agencies who I think are doing a really good job. Environmental Protection Agency, for example, has a very nice process that they have to vet whether or not something should be an app or not, or how to best deliver that information. So I think that they're, they're an example of, of an agency that's ahead of the game. The Army has been doing a lot of work in the mobile space, too, as far as training. They're using QR codes, for example, to provide just-in-time information about a piece of machinery when the, when the soldier needs it. So we're seeing a lot of interesting uh, pieces on it. Um, but we are really collecting this information, collecting this data about what agencies are doing, and will help to develop best, best practices on that. The other thing is that there are standards that do exist already, and um, the, World, the World Wide Web Consortium, W3C, 
um, has standards for mobile websites and they have standards for mobile um, apps. In both cases, they're fairly high level, um, but that can be both good starting points. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Claire and Gwen, for sharing your thoughts about the mobile government and its corresponding risks, rewards, and what could be the potential roadmap for success. I really thank you for contributing here. Thank you. You're very welcome. And uh, listeners, please send us your questions or thoughts to views at ciotalkradio.com. That is views at ciotalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy.